0: and welcome to the Resound Church Podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here and we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Well, good morning. My name's Wayne. If you don't know me, it's good to be here together with you this morning and uh, so good to see those dedications and, and to hear the news of the changes that we're going to be experiencing over the next 12 months or so. That's gonna be great. You'll get more information about that in January and um, we'll do some things there. We're in the middle, or actually we're at the end of a series called parables. A parable is simply a teaching tool. Jesus used a parable to, uh, to speak to people and to make a point. It's interesting, you know, he says, he who has ears, let him hear. Often a parable has a meaning that isn't clearly discernible to those who are not hearing accurately. And, um, you know, over the past few weeks, we've gone through a series of parables. The first was the parable of the seed. And uh, we we learned from that that we are both sowers of seed, but we're also recipients of seed. We are soil as well. And, and the point there is, obviously, is we want to be those who receive the seed well and produce a, a return on the seed that is sown in our lives, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. But we also want to be those who sow seed. In other words, we sow the Word of God into those around about us. And, and we do that in a variety of different ways. But primarily, it's the love of Christ in us and, and, and outworked through us that sows the seed in the lives of somebody else around about us. The second one that, um, the second parable, which is really three, is the story of the the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And I want you to look at that in reverse for a moment, you know. The lost son, there was two sons, wasn't there? One that was lost. That's a 50% loss. You turn, the, the next one is if, if you talk about the, the lost coin, the, the lady had 10 coins, she lost one coin, that's a 10% loss. And then the first parable in, uh, in, in that series was the, the parable of the lost sheep and, and the owner of the sheep had 100 sheep and he lost just one, that's 1% loss. And there is something overwhelming that comes through that, do you know there is no acceptable loss to God? He wants for all of us to be in relationship with Him. It doesn't matter whether it's 50, whether it's 10, or whether it's 1%. And even though we may consider 1% a reasonable loss, to God it's not a reasonable loss. Why? Because every single one matters. And and, and, you know, there's much for us to learn. and and, And then just last week, Jess talked to us about it's, it's called a variety of different names. It's either the parable of the virgins or the parable of the bridesmaids or whichever one you choose. And it's just talk to us about it. It, it. The key point is this, is you need to be ready. You need to be prepared. And in the broader context of the chapters that it comes from, it's about being prepared for Christ's return. And and we know uh, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus has gone and, and we can talk about whether or not Christ is Christ's return is imminent. Let me tell you, it's as imminent as your daily breath. You know, if everyone in this room went 15 minutes without oxygen, Christ's return would be immediate. You can't go 15 minutes without oxygen. And so, you know, we can debate when Christ is returning, but the point is this, His return is imminent for all of us. It's just a matter of time. And the key is this, be prepared, be ready Ensure that you have uh, set aside margin. And margin, you know, there's a whole lot we can talk about margin, but we need margin in our lives. And we need margin in our relationship with God. The goal is not to run out of oil, but to have some in reserve. And today, my task is to talk to you about the parable of the talents. Now, this parable goes by several different names, I don't know that the parable of the talents actually does it credit, because it's less about money and more about response. Some versions call it the parable of the three servants. But we're going to begin today by reading from Matthew 25, and it'll come up on the screen, and I'll read it to you there. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. one he gave five bags of gold to another two bags to another one bag each according to his ability then he went on his journey the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more so also the one with two bags of gold gained two more but the man who had received one bag went off dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money after a long time the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him and the man who had received five bags of gold, brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. The master, uh, master he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out, hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servants, so you knew that I harvest where I had not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now when we read this parable or if you were sitting with Jesus as he was talking about it, there would have been some things that happened inside of you. Probably one of your responses would have been, hey that's not fair, the guy was just scared. Is that right? You see, what happens to us is we conjure up an image of what we think God is like. We all do it. It's called a worldview. And our worldview is made up of what we think of God, what we think of the people around us, what we think of the world around us. And what happens is it's our own makeup of what we think God should be like. And when there is a parable or a teaching or an example of something that doesn't sit well with us, What we have is the Bible bouncing up against our view of what we think God should be like. I don't know about you, but through the years, I've talked to God about many things and I've disagreed with the way that he's handled some things. Now, he hasn't changed his ways. The idea is that I change my ways. The idea is that somehow, some way, I align myself with his thinking rather than him aligning himself with my thinking. And so what happens when we read stories or parables or examples in the Scripture that bounce up against us or provoke us, it's an indication that our estimation or our view of God is probably not what it's supposed to be. And that's how we actually learn. And the idea is that as we continue to read, as we continue to listen, as we continue to hear that we rearrange our thinking so that it aligns with what the Bible teaches. But it doesn't take away the prov- 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 provocative nature of Jesus's teaching. It's meant, to, it's meant to do something to you and to keep doing it to you so that every time you read there is that, 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 that sort of thing that goes on the inside that leaves you questioning. Now when we go back into this parable, and if we could go back to the start on the screen, there's a few things I want to point out that are really important, because I think part of the reason it's so provocative is we make assumptions that, the, that the, the parable doesn't actually say. The first is this, do you know the gold that was given didn't belong to the people it was given to? And so taking the gold from one and giving it to another is not... There's nothing wrong with that. It was never theirs to start with. It was not theirs at the end either. If you look at it, and we'll read from the start, it says, going to be like a man going on a journey. In other words, there's a man who's going off the scene. He's no longer going to be supervising, he's no longer going to have the ability to see what's taking place. He says, he called his servants. Now, a servant is different to an employee. A question I want to ask, and, you know, we're not comfortable with sli- the, the, the concept of slavery. But in this context, the servants and slaves were very similar. As a matter of fact, the owner or the man going on the journey owned the servants. They were his assets. They, weren't free, they didn't have a free will like we would have a free will. And so it's important to understand that as he is calling his servants to him, it's then that he entrusts a particular task to them. It's sort of like, uh, and, and you know, I don't know that there is a modern equivalent that's appropriate. It's, it's, like, it's like when you get somebody who, whom you have complete responsibility for and you give them a task which they are obliged to fulfil, We don't have that, you know, an employer. uh, Sorry, someone said marriage, did they? (laughs) Sorry? Kids. (laughs) Um, We'll talk about that later, Josh. (laughs) I don't know that there is a current modern equivalent that's appropriate. (laughs) But you know, an employer employee relationship is not like that because the employer does not own the employee. In a husband-wife relationship, one doesn't own the other. Parents and children, of course, in Josh's house, they owned their children, and that's right in one sense. <laughs> but even then, you know, the, it, it's a different experience because you're talking about mature adults that are actually at the behest of the owner of them, and then it says he entrusted his wealth to them. In other words, he took that which was his and he said, I'm depositing it with you for you to fulfil your responsibility to me. It's sort of like, you know, if, you're, if your net wealth, wealth is a million dollars and you took three people and divided it up and you gave, you know, 600 to one and 300 to another and 100 to another, you would want the same return ideally. Ideally. You'd want a good outcome, wouldn't you? Whoever's responsible for the 600,000, it'd be best if they got another 600,000. Whoever's responsible for the 300, it'd be good if they got another 300. Even the 100,000 is still a lot and you would want a return on it. But it says he entrusted his wealth to them and then he goes and, and he gave each according to his ability. This is not about Comparison. It's not that one was better than another, It was, one that was there was one that was more capable than another. And so their responsibilities were all different. It's interesting, the one who had five, or uh, who, who was given five to start, already had more than the one who had two and doubled it. The one who had two and doubled it got to four, is that right? The one who had five had five without doing anything. And then he doubled his. And so I want you to understand, you know, when something is entrusted, it's entrusted on the basis of ability. It's, it, 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 it's, it's not a judgment of character, it's based on skill. And so it goes on, he entrusted according to his ability, went on his journey, but then we get to the, the last one, he received one bag and he dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Let me take you back for a moment and and remind you of what these people's task or responsibility is. They are servants. And the reason they were given the resource they were was to get a return for their master. That was their full time job. They were owned by their master. They were employed by their master. They got their food from their master. They got their residence or their lodging from their master. The one who got five, the one who got two worked as if he was still there. The one who got one decided he wasn't going to work at all. That's what it means when it says, he got his one talent, he buried it in the ground. I'm not working. And then it goes on, Have you listen to this. It says, a long time the master of the servants returned, settled accounts with him. The man who received five, and we'll go skip through that part, and go to the, go to the one uh, it, it, well, the key thing there is you've been faithful with a few things, I put you in charge of many. In other words, you didn't. He didn't receive more; he received responsibility for more. In other words, uh, if you've if you've got five cows and you've done well with the five cows, then you'll you'll get more cows to look after. I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but anyway, keep going to the next uh, man with two, and then we'll get to the man with one. He got the same accolades, and then we 'll go to the next one. And this is the man who received one bag of gold or one talent, being on which translation to read. This is what he said: "I knew that you 're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you 've not scattered seed. Let me stop for a moment." What sort of relationship did he have with his master? Straight away, straight up front, he says, I didn't like you. I still don't like you. And, and, and as a matter of fact, I think you've been ripping people off. He's not pulling any punches. We've got a servant that is totally looked after by a master, and his response to the master is, It's your fault. I know what you like, it's your fault. That's how he starts the, his response to, in the relationship. His response is not momentarily, it's a position he holds. It's an attitude he carries with him everywhere. It's your fault. It's not my fault, it's your fault. And then he goes on, he says, so I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See here what belongs to you. There is something seriously wrong with this third servant. He doesn't like his master. He thinks his master's doing something wrong and so he blames his master and then he says, so I was afraid. In other words, so I figured that I couldn't do anything right so I just buried it. What did he do by burying it? What he actually did was cost the master the return due to him. It would be like, you lending money to me for ten years, expecting me to at least give you a, 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 some interest on it, and then at the end of ten years I say, well, you know that thousand dollars you gave me, Mason Here it is back I knew i knew I knew you'd be unhappy with it, so here it is. I thought the best thing to do is just give you the thousand dollars back you'd be 'd be saying,I could have done something with that if only i'd known that was your attitude and, and, and there'd be an immediate disconnect between the two and that's literally what this guy did. The reason it's called the parable of the three servants is because one servant took it out on on the master and and yet somehow if the master was as this guy described him, why did the other two do so well? Why were they commended as they were? And so let's read on and, and then we'll come to the finish. It says, this master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Let's stop just there for a second. Why is he wicked? He's wicked because of what he was t- saying about the master. He's wicked because of the way that he was conducting himself. He was lazy because when, when the other servants were working with what they had, he chose not to work. He chose to bury the talent, live off the the benefits he had as a, as, a, a, as a slave and he chose not to do anything. That's why he was lazy. And it goes on. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. In other words, so who are you to say that about me? Who do you think you are? Speaking about me in those terms is the way that it's, it's asked. Well, then if that's the case, if I was like that, well, at least you could have put my money on deposit with the bankers and when I returned, I would have received it. The master is, is, is furious with this guy. He's furious because he's not only mucked up the return for the master, but he's, he's had a bad attitude and uh, he's, been, he, he's taken advantage of the master's generosity and, and he's chosen not to do anything After the master has been away for a long time. It goes on. So take the bag of gold from him. Give it to the one who has 10 bags. Straight away we think that's not fair. It's not the one with 10 bags money. He's still entrusted with it. It's not a personal gain. And sometimes that rubs up against us. But it says this. For whoever has has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. Throw the worthless servant outside into darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why did Jesus choose to bring this story up? Why why, why did he approach it, the subject? Why was he, in, in, in his telling of the story, why was he so harsh on that? On that final servant, simply because that servant was opposed to him. Do you know, as we live our lives, we have an opportunity of receiving what God has given to us or rejecting what God has offered. And the sad thing is this it's our choice. I don't know about you but there are times and I I mentioned it before, there are times where I I wonder why God does some things and he doesn't uh, do other things but I do acknowledge this, he's sovereign and able to do what he chooses to do. The master in this story is sovereign and able to choose what he wants to do. The point of this parable is this, when something is entrusted to you, Use well what's been entrusted to you. It's not complex. It's really simple. If someone offers you something and you don't trust them, you don't like them, or you've got a problem with them, you're better to reject the offer than to receive it and take advantage of them. Jesus was saying these things in a context where the Pharisees had been entrusted with the story of God, the story of creation, the story of history. He entrusted it to them that they might perpetuate it. But the sad thing is this, many of the Pharisees buried some of the valuable gold in the story of creation, in the story of their history, because somehow, way, they perceived God to be different than he actually was. The reason Jesus chose to tell the story is because he was, if you like, trying to bring them to a place of recognition. He was provoking them. And they'd have known that this story related to them. But today... The same story applies to us. It applies to you and it applies to me. It's not actually about the gold, it's about what's entrusted to us. And the question I want to ask you, it's a provocative question as well, is simply this What's been entrusted to you? What is it that God has entrusted to you? It could be our children. It could be a place of responsibility in the workplace. It could be a role or a task in the community. But as we progress through our lives, we realise more and more the thing that God has entrusted to us. And what Jesus is asking us to do is simply be faithful. Five bags of gold return five bags of gold, nothing extraordinary, just the result of faithfulness. Two bags of gold, return two bags of gold, nothing extraordinary, just the result of faithfulness. One bag of gold, buried in the ground, a complete rejection of his master, and we read about the end result. We you stand together with me this morning? The musos would like to come. You may say to yourself, I want more answers than what you're giving to me, Wayne. The point of the parable is not to receive the answer, but to continue asking the question. You see, when Jesus taught he taught that people might be transformed not simply learn a lesson and so what today what I want to ask you is what's been entrusted to you and what's your response The point made in the parable is that the, ma- the master went on a journey and he was away for a long time Today's not the day of reckoning, but it is a day of reminding. All of us, with the things that we've been entrusted to our care, have reviewed what's been entrusted to us, and, and sometimes we've come up short, sometimes we have haven't conducted ourselves in the way that we'd like to. There are other times where we can sit back and think, wow, I handled that really well. But like I said before, today's not the day of reckoning. It's just a reminder, a reminder that something that's been entrusted to you. My question is, how are you going to respond? You may say today, well, I've I disagree with God, I've got this problem with Him, I've got that problem with Him, I don't understand this and that. Maybe how you feel. The good thing is this, it's not the end today. And you've still got an opportunity to change the way that you think. Maybe that a whole bunch of unfair things have happened to you through life and and you can't see any reason wanting to change your mind about God. Just a moment, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask you to to simply open your heart and allow Him to speak to you. I, I haven't got the words and nor can I answer all your questions, but let me tell you this, God can. And by His Holy Spirit, He's still calling you. I want to handle well what's been entrusted to me. And I know that whatever estimation I have of my ability, it doesn't really matter. What matters is what God considers I'm capable of doing. And it's the same for you today. You don't have to be the person with the two talents, or the person with the five talents. All you've got to be is you. God is not asking or demanding or expecting anything more from you than who you really are but he does want to be in a relationship with you that is good for you and good for others I'm going to pray and then Mason's going to come back Father I know that as as I read this this parable there have been so many times where I've considered what it could mean for me And in ambition, I've wanted to wanted to be the one with two bags of gold and get five in return. But I know that that's not the point of the parable. You're not asking us to outperform, you're simply asking us to trust you. As a matter of fact, it's not even about the way we conduct ourselves will perform. It's about us simply being faithful to You. I know in this room there'll be people who are feeling like they're they're that third servant, the one with a, a single bag of gold that's been entrusted to them. And for whatever reason, they've got a beef with you. My prayer is that you would move by Your Holy Spirit. That you would speak to us, that you would touch us, that you would change our heart where that's necessary. Father, I pray for, for some who might be getting a great return in one area of their life, in another area, it's just barren and it feels like there's nothing left to give. I pray that by your Holy Spirit again, you would come. Speak to us, give us strength, so that on one day, somewhere in the future, you'd simply be able to say, "Well done, good and faithful servant." Father, I pray that today, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.